Welcome to Dream Business Radio, the place to create your dream business now. Get ready for some inspiration, some encouragement, some proven business building strategies, and a couple of new ideas that you haven't even thought of. It's time to leave slow and steady as she goes to the other entrepreneurs, because this program is all about speed and fast results. And now, broadcasting from his floating home somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, the dream business coach himself, Jim Palmer. The Wire. Hello, everybody. I'm Captain Jim Palmer. We're right at the Wire. We're ready to go. Excited to talk with you today. I'm the dream business coach. I'm the founder of the incredible Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program, creator of No Hassle Newsletters, which is a done-for-you newsletter program used by over 1,200 small business owners around nine countries actually. And today, most importantly, I am the host of Dream Business Radio, my weekly podcast created to help you build your dream business so you too can live your dream lifestyle. This is episode 572. My very special guest this week is the founder and CEO of operations agency, Allison Caffrey. How are you doing today, Allison? I'm doing so great, Jim. Thanks so much for having me. You and I are just chatting away here, and I'm like, "Oh, we're down. It's time to go live." So, oh, anyway, it's going to be a great, a great interview. That's right. Um, hey, folks, this episode of Dream Business Radio is brought to you by the Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program. Big surprise! If you're an entrepreneur who wants to grow a more profitable business faster by creating an in-demand brand, promote it through highly effective marketing, and especially if you want to create multiple streams of revenue, something I'm very good at, you want to look at this group led by me, Captain Jim Palmer, at Dream dreambizcoaching.com, dreambizcoaching.com. At the end of the show, I'm going to tell you how you can get free copies, digital copies of my books. It's not even a special thing, no opt-in, no nothing. I'm going to tell you how you can get free copies of my books. But right now, I want to tell you about my latest um, e-report. I think this is number nine this year. <clears throat> it is the top three benefits of creating your virtual mastermind over the last 13 years, actually almost 14 years now. I have perfected this whole lucrative virtual mastermind model, and I tell you exactly how I started, how I named it, how I price it. Everything's in this report that you can get today for free. Just opt in at lucrativevirtualmastermind.com, lucrativevirtualmastermind.com. All right, let me introduce my special guest, Allison Caffrey. She is a small business operations strategist. She's a best-selling author and founder of Operations Agency. Allison's commonly referred to as the wolf, got to find because among her clients, because she gets stuff done. Allison is best known for helping streamline the back end <clears throat> operations for a multitude of brands and using her operations simplify framework. We're definitely going to be asking her about that to unleash the power of small teams. One of the reasons I couldn't wait to connect with Allison because I told her all the people that listen to me are entrepreneurs and small business owners. We have no Fortune 700 or whatever <laughs> company. So it's about simplifying and growing and scaling your business with small teams. Allison and her team at Operations Agency are determined to help businesses thrive, profitably serve more clients, and create high-performing teams. In addition to her, her CEO role, Allison is mom to two young sons, under three years old, so I have no idea how she does that. But once again, Allison, welcome to Dream Business Radio. Appreciate you, Jim. Thanks so much for having I'm so, me. I'm so, you know, I, I I meet people, my guests like you, usually a month or two in advance, and then we schedule it because we're like booked out. And um, uh, you're one of the people I couldn't wait to connect with because this is such an important topic. And people, a lot of people that listen to the show, Allison, they they love the whole um, 
the marketing, branding, and strategies and things like that. But honestly, when it comes to scaling and growing, this whole thing about getting your operations under control is so key. And that's kind of your specialty. But before I, before we jump right in there, I've always liked to ask people for a little bit of inspiration. Did you always know you were going to be an entrepreneur? Did you, did you become an attorney or a CPA? And then you said, the hell with that degree. <laughs> this is what I want to do. Tell, give us a little bit of your background. Actually, that's such a funny question because so I, I worked in operations uh, at my nine to five when I was like first hired out of college. And I remember being like, you know what? This is kind of a Swiss army knife position. I love how much experience I'm getting and how impactful um, you know, I am at the organization, but I'm going to leave and go to law school. And I remember like I left the position because I loved the contract writing piece. And I was like, that's it. I have to specialize. That's what I need to do. And literally when I got my first client at operations agency, I was taking LSAT courses. I was literally preparing to take <laughs> the actual LSAT. And I was like, you know That's what? a very no. common question I usually ask, by the way. I had no idea you went to law school <laughs> or going that route. No, I was considering going that route. And it's really funny because I think when, um, you know, when I was, working in operations, you know, I was feeling really validated, right? A lot of the things that we were doing together and the impact I was making at that business was really excellent. And it's, it's really overlooked sometimes, right? Like, you know, creating systems and creating processes internally to make things just run smoother so that when you get to the next phase, you really feel like you have some foundation under you to be able to get your footing through tough times. And, um, one of the biggest things when I went out on my own and I was like, you know, I'll just take on a handful of clients here and there to, you know, really help me through this season of going to school. And ultimately what ended up happening is I realized I struck a big chord. A lot mm. of people talk about sales. A lot of people talk about marketing, branding, you know, growth strategies and hacks around those particular departments. But what they don't talk about quite often, um, or at least not, perhaps maybe not a lot of people have gotten there, um, but they don't talk about systems as much because systems just aren't as sexy as, you know, they're boring. I mean, honestly, who wants <laughs> to talk about systems and spreadsheets and graphs? <laughs> No offense. <laughs> no. And you know what? None taken. But I think if we kind of reverse engineer, um, you know, what systems provide to our business and to our life, right? It becomes yes. really sexy, really fast, right? It provides us growth opportunities that we can say yes to, right? It provides us with time back in our life to be with our families, to reinvest back into our business, right? To reinvest into, you know, leadership positions in our team, to really scale at will. And I think one of the big things that, you know, I consider, you know, when I, when I work with the client, is, is do we have the types of repeatable processes in this business already defined, but are we already doing some things um, that we can easily turn into repeatable systems that can help this person go farther and go faster? And usually the answer is yes, right? Usually a lot of the systems that people are overlooking are sitting just right there under their nose. They do them every day mm. and they say, oh, well, I can just do this myself or I can just do oh. this faster, right? And then they end up with the five minute rule of, well, I'm just going to come compound this five, 10 minute task every single day, instead of spending the 20 minutes that set up an automation that'll save them, right? It's on the time into the future. You know, my audience is in big trouble because I talk very fast anyway, but I'm already seven questions. I can't wait to ask you from your first answer. You know, I, I totally believe, and I get it, right? I mean, every, not every, most entrepreneurs start on what I call a shoestring budget. I mean, you're bootstrapping, you're getting going to you get your clients. And I remember so well the, the feeling that we now say, you know, nobody can do it as quick or as fast or as inexpensively as I can. So why would I pay somebody else to do it? Well, I learned when I started growing company two and then three. And it's like 
there was an expression that I that I say now today. It's like learn to delegate or stay small forever because you do reach this bottleneck point. And if certain things that are on your to do list keep not getting done, like finish your damn book, go out and give speeches because you're handling all this stuff back here. It's you know, you have to get comfortable delegating. Um, well, that'll be one question. I don't want to give you 12 questions, have you pick them out. So how do people get comfortable letting go? Great question. I think a lot of small business owners, especially if you begin and it's just you, right? And mm -hmm. you're all things, right? You're the chief marketer, <laughs> you're the salesperson, you're the fulfillment expert, you're fulfilling all the orders and doing all the things. Um, it begins to get challenging to tease yourself out of those things because you know how you want it done. You know how you want your clients or your market to experience you. And it becomes challenging to communicate that to another person. And what ends up happening is let's just role play here for a second. You hire in a new assistant or someone to uh, support you administratively, you give them a handful of tasks and you think those You're are going to be a hundred percent done. And the worst <laughs> thing that you can do is expect a task to come back 100% done on the first clip. I think so many people suffer from this and then they, all of a sudden they just X out. They say, you know what? No, it's not a you know, good experience. Delegating isn't for me. Growing a team isn't for me because they had one bad experience where perhaps they expected too much of a brand new person. Yeah. And I think what we need to consider is that delegating just like in any relationship, right? Is, is in compound interest, right? You need to make a small investment and say, okay, how can I grow this over time, right? Can I offload 20% of this task right now? And then maybe with experience and clarity, it'll grow to 40%, then 80, and then they can take it off hundred percent of the way, right? Yes. So there's, um, I learned something along, so somewhere around 2009, 10. So I had my first company and then I started to hassle newsletters. Then I started concierge print mail and demand. Then I started to hassle social media and I had to build this team and I was I was a guy who's good at connecting and saying I hate like the back office stuff. So I got an assistant who became pretty much like a project manager and said, Jim, we really got to get some systems. I said, I don't know. Said, what do you want? Just go figure out what you want. You're the <laughs> and it really worked well for me. We we grew a team of about 17 virtual assistants that were running all the different things. And this person oversaw this whole operation for me. The way I got comfortable with it, I don't know how, how you help your clients. I must have been reading the 80-20, one of the many 80-20 books, right? And I thought, if I can get if I can get comfortable having the things that I know I can do great, if I can have somebody else do them 80% as good as I can, and I can keep, I'll go give a speech, I'll write another book, I'll do these high level, high revenue generating activities, I'm okay with that. And it, mm -hmm. it took some brain power to do that. Because you you'd see stuff like... I'm not sure I would have handled it that way. Right. But then again, I was out giving a speech and I brought in, you know, 25 more members to the membership. So that's OK with me. Long question. I know. How do you help people get comfortable knowing that when they delegate and build the operations infrastructure in order to scale, it's not going to be exactly like they would do it? Yeah. So I think we first and foremost need to get clear on the fact that, yeah, 80% done by someone else is better mm -hmm. than you doing it, especially if you can fill your time with additional re revenue generating activities. There's a fantastic book on this by actually a coach of mine. His name is Dan Martell. He has a book called Buy Back Your Time. And he talks about this uh, assessment loop where you take a look at, okay, where am I spending my time? How am I going to delegate that? And then how do I fill my time back up? Because I think one of the biggest things that happens additionally when you start to delegate is that you don't know what to do 
with all of that free time, right? Or mm -hmm. you don't know how to commit or what activities are going to actually bring you the most revenue or, you know, all of those things. So I think the biggest thing to do is first and foremost say, okay, I understand that this isn't going to be done totally as well as I need it to be done, but what can I put as a standard metric in place, right? To consider what's the bare minimum that somebody has to do in order to consider this thing, quote unquote, done, right? We talk mm. about this a lot with key performance indicators. I think it helps kind of check that box in my founders' brains that say, okay, at least even if I give this to somebody, if it's not perfect, it's going to come back most of the way done so that I can just bring it over the finish line and I can add those finishing touches perhaps that somebody might learn later down the line. And how can I fill up the time that I am saving, even if it's just 20% right now, with something that's actually going to be incredibly impactful um, to my business or to my life, right? I mean, if you've been like ignoring your personal health or if you don't spend any time with your family, I mean, I'm calling people out here. You can start to get some of that time back and consider that maybe your business doesn't have to be an entire burden on your personal health and your personal life. And you can spend that 20% of time going out on a walk or eating a healthy meal or spending some time with your family and then showing up powerfully as a leader inside of your business instead of just burning the candle at both ends and the middle. Um, so we, we joked around a little bit at the beginning about how this is not sexy like marketing and funnels and all this other stuff. But the reality is it, there's a two there's at least two levels of benefit to doing this. Number one, it will allow you to grow and scale. It's absolutely essential. Mm -hmm. But the other thing is, which you know I've helped a, a few businesses get comfortable and get prepared to eventually sell their business. And the three things that are very important if you're going to sell a business, you, you need to have a good customer list. You need to have predictable cash flow, but you also need systems in place so that when you close the door, my way of saying this, you you lock the door Friday, the new owner comes in Monday and things run without you. And that that is not done overnight, right? So there's another reason to do this. Totally. And it's so interesting that you bring that up, Jim, because a lot of times when I speak with entrepreneurs, they're like, oh, well, I'm growing a lifestyle business. I don't need mm. to focus on systems and operations. And I'm like, well, if you are growing a business to support your lifestyle, or if you're growing a business to exit that business eventually, systems and processes need to be a part of this because who wants a business that sucks to run, right? Nobody wants to keep it and have it be part of their life. And nobody wants to purchase a business that's completely woven into how the founder operates, how they talk, how they market, you know, whatever else. And so when you're, we're creating these repeatable systems, it does, it transfers a ton of value into the marketplace so that even if you aren't building a business to sell, you are still looked at as having a valuable asset that could be attained down the line because things could totally change. Right. So you're, you're a CEO, you, you just wrote a best-selling book. I know you were telling me you're building a whole personal brand, doing all this stuff. You got a couple of young kids at home. So there's that whole work-life balance, which is it's kind of a term that to me it's it's a little unfair in some cases, doesn't make sense in others. But this is also another reason to put these systems and, and the whole operations into place. So how do how do you do it, you know, with young kids and you're now running essentially two businesses or three if you count your authoring, you know? So how did you get comfortable with it, Allison? You know, Jim, when you list it off, I don't know. <laughs> now you're panicked, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait, how am I doing this? Um, no, honestly, I said this early on. So when we had our first son, Frank, um, you know, I had had the operations agency already for about three years. Okay. And I did a really hard assessment at that time. When he first came, I remember I was sitting in the hospital. My husband snapped this uh, really lovely picture of me and my newborn son. And um, the next frame that wasn't captured was 
me putting my sleeping child down in the bassinet and jumping on my phone to answer client emails and oh. Slack messages from my team. And, you know, it's like really rare that you get such physical representations of where your priorities are. But at the time, I remember thinking, oh, well, look how committed I am to my business. Look how flexible my life could be, right? I can pick up my phone and I can work from anywhere and this is going to be great. And in the back of my mind, I really did know like something needed to change. Mm -hmm. And uh, go figure, the systems gal needed some support with systems. So what I did was I started to create what our like calendar was. And internally, this was for business. This was for, um, you know, our personal life. This was for pretty much everything going on. And I remember saying out loud to my husband while we were like workshopping and reworking for the thousandth time, the schedule and the calendar. And I said to him, I was like, look, let's be married to having a schedule, but not the schedule right? So mm -hmm. I'm a firm believer that having systems in your business is critical, but don't marry the system just because you've created it. If it's not working for you, if it's not serving you, whether that be how you're managing projects, whether that be how you're documenting things, delegating things, hiring people, what marketing channels you're using, the way that you're enrolling new members you know, into your products or your services, you need to be constantly reassessing because the job of small businesses is to bring break stuff. Break mm. it. You've got to be growing at a rate that by the time we're creating operational structure, we're probably finding newer, better, cheaper, faster ways to do things. And if we're not committed to that, always being better, always refining, um, then we're not going to be able to keep up with our own growth. And that's how we're going to hamstring. So one of the ways that I do a lot of these things is I'm constantly reassessing. Does this schedule work for me? Is what I'm focused on actually what I should be focused on? And how diligently am I actually making space in my calendar for the things that are most important? My health, my family, my spouse, um, you know, just making sure that those things are absolutely North star, um, critical things I always keep in my calendar. Yeah. So, you know, we, you know, that we traveled for five years on, on that boat that up yeah, and down yeah. the coast. And, um, one of the things I learned is you need to have a plan, but not a schedule. Because once sometimes we, okay, this day we're traveling here, here, we're going to spend three days here. And then boom, something happens. A, a storm comes in. So you're not really going to travel. Then everything that you've already hardcore planned is out the window. So mm -hmm. it's good to have a, a, a plan, but not a hardcore schedule. Um, uh, so I got a question here. I think there I go. Now I can read it. Uh, lots of my clients are one person operations. How do these strategies work for them? Please. And thank you. Jeff's a Southern man. He knows his please. And thank yous. Um, so a lot of people do have one person operations and maybe that's just the way their business is set up. So, um, if I can elaborate a little bit, how do they put in the systems and structures? So they honor the commitments they make to their business, right? Cause sometimes we end up doing stupid stuff, right? And Therefore, that other stuff doesn't get it. So how did, how would you answer Jeff's question? Not my bastardized yeah. version of it. <laughs> so Jeff, this is a good question. And I want to encourage all of my solopreneurs out there that um, just because right now you might not benefit from being able to offload something or to have someone else follow an SOP, um, you can and should still be making micro deposits into what I call that high interest savings account. So mm. that when your business is at a point when it hits you know, a growth period, or you feel like you have the margin to be able to pull somebody into the business, you already have a well of information that they can follow. Um, because 
I've seen this happen so many times along with the delegation conversation earlier. Somebody hires a new person in, whether even it's just a 1099 part-time person, and they think that they're going to save them all this time. And what they don't consider is that they're going to spend at least 10 to 20% additional time training that person if they don't already have this wall of information. So if you are a solopreneur, in Jeff's case, and you are really preparing um, for growth season in your business, really start to make some deposits into that account. A really tactical way that you can do that is get Loom, L-O-O-M, on your Chrome extension, and you can just record your screen while you're doing administrative, low-barrier tasks. You have Mm. a nice category of five, 10-minute videos on how you're doing specific things. And then when someone comes into the business, you say, hey, listen, could you just do me a favor and watch these 10 videos? Let me know if you have any questions on cadence, you know, any of those things. And then we can jump on a 30 minute meeting. You can ask me all the questions. I'll give you the tasks that you need, and then you can go and fire them off. So that is a little bit more of an approachable way to consider this. Now, if you are a solopreneur, one of the biggest things that I find is that solopreneurs lack focus in the day to day. And I don't mean to say this because I'm calling anybody out, but it happens when you're switching tasks all the time, right? You're working on a marketing funnel. You're working, working on, you know, enrolling new clients, you're fulfilling on things, you're paying invoices or, you know, doing accounts receivable. (laughs) Exactly. And you're a parent, you got to go prepare lunch for your kiddos and put them down for a nap. So it's all of the things all the time. I have this principle that I focus on and it's one of the biggest things. um, I think that's been a huge game changer for me becoming a mom and running now two growing businesses is I have a 90, 90 principle. And what it is, is 90 minutes of focus for 90 days. And I pick one thing, just one. And it helps kind of be the filter through everything else. So for me, I use this principle when I was writing my book, the sabbatical method, I woke up every single morning. I wrote from five to six 30 AM. And that was my main focus. And all of the other things during the day I knew would kind of fall into place. If I had checked that big box for the morning, right. Um, there's a great book on this called uh, eat the frog, um, which like colloquially talks about like, you know, doing your biggest task first thing in the morning. Um, I personally follow this, but the 90-90 principle, especially for solopreneurs, is huge because it'll help really give you that North Star guidance around where you should be spending the bulk of your most creative, most productive time. Um, I find that after about 90 minutes, we start to kind of like fold in on ourselves if we're like making content or, you know, designing a project or doing something like that. Um, so follow the 90-90 principle for kind of getting more focus in your day-to-day work and then make micro deposits into your systems Let account. Let me unpack that a little bit because uh, so 99, so if you spend if you spend 90 minutes, let's say uh, 5 a.m. to 6.30 writing your book every day, is that the 90 in this case? For 90 days, that's your main focus, and then the rest of the day is whatever you ha- ha- has to happen? Yep. Yeah. So I have, I always have a primary project and I I say this because, um, I think it's personally helpful um, for me. Um, I have a mission statement for every single quarter. So my mission statement for quarter one was write, um, edit and market my new book. So mm-hmm. that was that was the thing. And so I knew that my 9090 was focused on one of those things. So first it was writing, then it was editing, then it was creating marketing material within that 90 minute time frame. And the greatest thing is that the next quarter I was really focused um on 
internal operations at operations agency because we had hired on some new people. So I have my specific focus for every single quarter. And all of my team members also have their mission for the quarter. And we plan them all together. And we do our 90-90 based on those missions. And all of the other projects that we're focused on, we usually have about five or six in any given quarter, are always secondary, right? So we have one lead project, everybody has a mission statement in it, and then we move forward. Allison is part of the I'm fascinated by this and I'm slow quickly running out of time. It's a 90-90. So is it a, is it imperative or important that you spend 90 minutes on this thing at one sitting or do you write for half an hour and go up and do something else? I guess no, that's just answered my question because then you get out of focus, right? You're supposed to take 90 minutes, focus like a laser beam and that's it. Mm-hmm. I mean, a okay. lot of um, a lot of coaches um, and and consultants in the space call it deep work, right? So you you really feel like you can get into it. You know, you can warm up a little bit, and then you feel like you're really hitting a stride. I remember too; it was really helpful for me to stop at 90 minutes, specifically with writing. I do this with a lot of my videos as well because I have a, a really fun YouTube channel called Three Minute Ops Tips, and I'll record videos for 90 minutes, whether they're trainings, whether they're the the Three Minute Ops Tips videos. And what I find there is that if I stop myself at the 90 minute mark, not only do I not start to get really exhausted by that activity, I then return the next day with a ton of ideas. I mean, I just feel like I got cut short, right? And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh goodness, wait, there was all like 15 more things I could have talked about or two more chapters I could have written, right? And I think a lot of us, when we procrastinate or if we feel like we're task switching all the time and we're only, you know, doing things halfway, we then will block a day, right? Our, 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 I think our default is to say, I'm going to block a full day and I'm just going to work on all my marketing in one day. And then you get exhausted, right? You're like, oh, yeah. I don't want to touch another email campaign. And you can I don't only be creative for so stuff. long. I mean, the well exactly. runs dry. <laughs> exactly. Wow. And then, yeah, so you're kind of always moving back and forth. It feels like a little bit of a feast or famine type of situation. I could keep diving on this, but I, I promise I want to ask about your book. So you wrote this book called The Sabbatical <laughs> Method. What, how is, how is that going to help the struggling entrepreneur? What is the sabbatical method? Yeah. So the sabbatical method really helps you answer the question, can your business function without you? And it's a really important question to have answered. Um, like we were talking about before Jim, right? Whether or not you want to build a lifestyle business and be able to actually enjoy, um, life instead of just being a slave to your business, or, um, you want to exit one day, right? If you want to build something that's actually a reliable, um, consistent, durable asset, um, you need to understand how to remove yourself, um, from the day-to-day operations. So I break down my five-step operations, simplify, framework. And really what we do is we use uh, a sabbatical as a forcing function to professionalize the operations around, you know, your business um, and how you actually are, um, you know, operating in it. So I don't know if this is a fair question, but here's my creative mind. So, okay. So the sabbatical method, is that something you can employ 90 minutes at a time or for 90 days to the two go hand in hand? Yeah, absolutely. So 90-90 is a principle I talk about in the book. Um, Transparently, a lot of business owners can't take a sabbatical, right? Let's just be totally honest. And the way that we typically think about sabbatical is in one of two ways. It's either accessible by Fortune 50 CEOs and like we really can't do it because they have resources and they're taking six months in the south of France and it just feels really unattainable. Um, Then the other uh, thing that typically people think about is they think about being voluntold to take off time from our business, whether or not we've hit a brick 
brick wall or we feel like we're in a position where we've neglected, ignored our personal health. And that feels like a forced sabbatical, right? We're, we're really in a position where we're pulled out of the business. And so what I want to do is I want to hit a sweet spot right in the middle and consider that rest in any high performing feat, whether you're climbing Everest, whether you are running a marathon or training for an Ironman, rest is a critical function to rebuild your muscles, your cardiovascular system, any of those things. And we need to be able to use that tool in our business, right? And rest to me is building systems to help us get to the next level, right? So if we are resting from our business, we might find an opportunity to work on the business. We might find an opportunity to literally reconnect with our vision and make sure that we're going in the right direction. If we don't pull ourselves out of the day-to-day operations, we're not going to be able to see the label from inside the bottle. And we're not going to be able to find the simple tweaks and throughputs that are actually going to help us scale. Okay. Um, so we got about three minutes, Allison. I want to ask you, try and get in two more questions. So if, if the goal is to optimize, is it, it seems this probably makes sense, but correct me if I'm wrong. Do you optimize first for the day and does that help optimize the week? And then you optimize for the month. I mean, do you start with the day or do you look at how am I going to optimize a week or a month and then reverse engineer? What do you suggest? you got to start with your vision. you got to start with where you're going and what you want to achieve. Um, my opinion is too many folks don't know that viscerally. What is your two-year plan, right? Let's just consider what, what that looks like. Who do you want to be serving? What kind of business do you want to be running? And then what we need to consider is how can I begin today with the actions that will specifically get me there. And you don't have to get caught up in the nitty gritty, right? You don't have to be considering, um, you know, making exactly the right decision every single day, right? You can always tweak it, right? We can wake up each day anew and we can decide to do the best thing with the best information that we currently have, but rooted in your vision, where do you want to be? Who do you want to serve? What kind of business do you want to run? And then drill it down to how do I need to show up in my business right now? What habits do I need to create inside um, of my daily work to help us? get there. Um, so Allison, I was looking at your book and preparing for the interview. And one of the chapters caught my attention because my sixth book was called decide. And, um, <laughs> you have a chapter on mastering decision-making, which mm-hmm. is so critical. And this is the decide was the only book that I wrote the book before I knew what the title was. I usually figured that out and then kind of wrote the book, <clears throat> but so I was writing this, it was a mindset book and I'm writing it and <clears throat> doing a lot of interviews at the time. And someone said, Jim, what separates uh, you know, highly successful entrepreneurs from ordinary entrepreneurs? I said, it's the ability to decide. You look at a challenge, a situation, a problem, whatever, you would quickly assess it and you make a decision, yes or no, left or right, whatever, go forward. But indecision is what grinds your business to a halt. So decide became the limit. So mastering decision-making, can you give us a, you know, a 60 second version on that? Oh, absolutely. I agree with you, Jim, that decisions (laughs) is probably one of the most incredible muscles that you can build as a business owner and just generally as a leader, right? So what I think decisions can be helpful to do is to crystallize, okay, what are your operations? What metrics do I have that I can take a look at month over month, week over week, year over year? (laughs) And how can I make the best decision possible to drive my business in the direction that I need it to go or that I want it to go? I think if you don't have the visibility into your data, which is actually the preceding chapter of the mastering decisions chapter. I think that it's impossible sometimes to be able to feel like you can make a confident decision. 
So, folks, I'm not going to ask Allison the five levels of operational efficiency because we're out of time, but you definitely <laughs> want, want to get a copy of your book. So, Allison, where where's the book and how do you want people to connect with you? And, folks, by the way, I'm going to – I usually say this anyway, but I want to sincerely ask you, give some comments. I know a lot of people watch this after the fact, but give some comments, some attaboys. What a great interview, Allison. So how can people connect with you and where do you want them to get the book? Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, you can find the book on Amazon. If you search the sabbatical method, it will be there. Um, you can also take a look at operationsagency.com. Um, the book's linked up there as well um, as a ton of free resources and ways to get in touch with me. I'm on all the socials at Allie Caffrey. Um, I talk quite a bit about running a business and a growing family at the same time. So if you're into that type of dialogue, um, you can come and join me. Awesome. Thank you so much, Allison. I would love to have you back couple of months from now, when, whenever the schedule opens up, I would like so many questions I didn't get to, but it's a fascinating topic and you obviously are quite proficient at it. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks, Jim. Pleasure. Hey, hey, folks, that wraps up this very special interview with Allison Caffrey. I told you it was going to be knock it out of the park when you can connect with her at operationsagency.com. I highly recommend you get a copy of her book at Amazon. You can connect with me at getjimpalmer.com if this is the only place we're, we're connected right now. If you're interested, again, in joining 20, 24 other smart entrepreneurs, including myself at the Dream Business Mastermind, Go to dreambizcoaching.com. One more time, get a copy of my latest report, Lucrative Virtual Mastermind. Teach exactly how I started my uh, Dream Business Mastermind and Coaching Program 14 years ago, how you can do it too. Oh yeah, end of the show. Get a free copy, digital download copy of all six of my books. If you're if you're into Nook books, I guess that's still a thing. They're at Barnes & Noble. I'm in the iBook store, all six download for free. And also obviously at Amazon, those are Kindle books, but that's it. I'm Captain Jim Palmer, the Dream Business Coach. Until this time next week, another fantastic interview. You take good care. Now it's time to go implement what you've learned. Great ideas are nice, but results only happen through action and implementation. So stay focused. Kick all distractions to the curb. Sleep a little less if you have to. And create your dream business now so you too can live your dream lifestyle. To learn about building your dream business, join Jim's free Dream Business Facebook community at dreambizgroup.com. That's dreambizgroup.com. See you next week for more Dream Business Radio.